Hello and welcome to another episode of the Two Medics podcast. My name is Imran Lasker. I'm a consultant radiologist. Hi, I'm Dushikan Wardner. I'm a cardiology registrar, subspecializing in intervention. And we're really excited to have a special guest with us today. Uh, I feel like we've got to know him really well just through his tweets. Long, wonderful tweets you can read through, get to know a little bit about him, about his family, where he's from. I've, I've certainly learned a lot from your tweets over the last well, few months now. So please, yeah, do introduce yourself. Thank you very much, Imran. That's very kind of you. My name is Joseph Machta and I'm a paediatric registrar in London with a special interest, because I know you love your special interest, Taru, with a special <laughs> yeah. interest in... Paediatric gastroenterology. Yeah, oh, interesting. There you go. Wow, there you go. And sending people straws. And sending people straws. <laughs> that, that's what people don't know about that. Didn't people get like really like uh, about it? So oh, did they? I, I didn't know that. Okay, yeah. I don't know. Okay, but yeah, like we were saying, I felt like I really got to know you during during reading your tweets, and you've given us some really wonderful moments about your own life, Joseph, when you were unwell. And actually, yesterday, I was, I was telling you yesterday, mm. I was actually thinking about your granddad. Your granddad was going through my mind. I was thinking about him, his life, some of the things that you said about him and reflecting on my own granddad and things like that. So I really feel as though your tweets do have a way of touching you and getting to, you feel like you really get to know you, you Joseph, through your tweets. Don't you think, Rusha? Mm. Thank you so much. So you wrote a poem this week and it was really powerful. And Satanam Sangera, he, he gave it a like. He, uh, how, what was your kind of, what prompted you or what made it kind of, what decide to write it? I mean, it's just something that like, being not fully white looking person with a funny surname that ends in a vowel and my surname is it's an, it's an arab surname actually it's from syria wow. it's I, I get it fairly every time i start a new job or meet new people at work or get into that sort of conversation it's oh where are you from yeah hendon finchley mm. oh yeah where are you really from and I, I, we've all had it haven't we we've all had where are you really from yeah and it's yeah. and it means yeah. that it doesn't mean like where in hendon are you from it's why are you brown? Yeah. <laughs> why, why have you got that food? Or like, why is your name got got? Why is your name sound like that? Why isn't it like Smith or something like that? Yeah. And it just got me thinking about like we. And I think this came out mostly in one of the last par- one of the last stanzas of the poem is that I'm an immigrant. I wasn't born in the UK. I was born in Argentina. I've been here since I was two years old. So I'm as British as you can be, oh, cool. to be honest. But we exist in this kind of like weird existence where because of our heritage, we're not fully accepted, I don't think yet, as British by some mm. members of the population. But if we went back to mm. home, in inverted commas, we wouldn't fit in there mm. either. Yeah. I'm not fluent yeah. in Spanish. I don't know how to get around there. I don't, I'm not with the culture. And I'm not, my mum's side of the family is from India. So I, I wouldn't fit mm. in there either. And I'd know a few phrases and I'd be able mm. to get along. But it's this weird existence of not really... 100% fitting in anywhere. And in a way, that's good yeah. because you, yeah. you can go to either, but in a way, it's not great because you can't fully integrate into either either. Yeah, I, I've definitely felt that. Like, I think parents are from Bangladesh. And when I go, when I did, or when I did go back to Bangladesh, they used to call me Bideshi, which basically means foreigner. Like, they just to jokingly call me Bideshi. And actually, my cousin had these uh, three friends who used to come around and play football with us every day. And I don't think they realized I could speak fluently and understand fluently. No. So they used to cuss me out. Oh. <laughs> yeah, for ages. And I tell my cousin, I was like, later, why do they keep cussing me out? They call, keep calling me the English man and all this stuff. And I said, I laugh because they think that you can't speak Bengali. And I said, all right, should I just keep it like that for the entire trip? 100%. So I, I stayed there for about a month or two. <gasps> yeah, and I kept quiet. And then on the last day, I started speaking back fluently. And they were like, no oh, way. No, no, you have to. Yeah. You have Oh, no, you've yeah. got to keep that in your back yeah, pocket. You've got to play that, don't you? 100%. 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I kept it going. I, there were some times when I kind of smirked. I was like, this is going to give it away that I've understood something. And they actually thought that I was smiling for the sake of smiling. And then they started make, taking the mic at me oh, some wow. more. And I was like, this is brilliant. You guys keep going. Yeah. Anyway, so med Twitter's been a bit crazy and we've been talking about getting to know each other. And I think, Joseph, when we were teeing this up, you're like, are we meeting in, up in real life? And I'm thinking, what, is this guy's going to get the beanbags out or something? What's <laughs> happening? <laughs> oh, you're not my rich. You're not my rich. I don't uh, think it's, uh, yeah. we're not that close yet. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, speaking of beanbags, yeah, what did we see that kind of came in at the tail end of last week and people were even asking, is this going to be included in the podcast from last week? But we'd already recorded. Beanbags didn't exist in any sort of conscious mind of Twitter at the time yeah. until the weekend popped up. Yeah, so what happened? What was going on? You talk about beanbags not existing. I like, I find it hard to remember a life before bean, the beanbags incident. <laughs> so for people who, who are not in the know, it went cross-platform, but it started with a Junior Doctors UK thread, didn't it? So someone posted anonymously saying, mm. I think they're an F1. I feel like they're an F1. And, oh, uh, I don't know. Uh, they said they're I think junior, they were, anyway, they they were, they It sounded quite junior. They're definitely right? junior. Definitely junior. And uh, they wanted some advice because I think they'd had some kind of flirtatious interactions with their registrar. But it sounded creepy, like the reg would keep a really close proximity to them and whatever. And then during a night shift, they'd had sex on a beanbag. And they'd, it'd been written in this kind of way that made it sound really un, unsexy, I guess. It was like, oh, it had to be quick. Yeah. And it was on a beanbag. And mm. Reddit melted down as well. There were loads yeah. of like spoof posts and stuff afterwards and people <laughs> being like, oh, send him adopts and whatever. And then it came to Twitter and everyone, Naturally. Yeah. But yeah, what, what did you guys think of the thread? I mean, I think one of the comments killed me. I think I sent it to you, didn't I, when I said, amazing that a surgical registrar would not get a CT scan before going through with an interventional procedure or something. <laughs> just, oh, yeah, there's a lot to unpick here, don't you think? There was a brilliant spoof post afterwards, which was just like, like a normal night shift with a very bland, amicable but very professional relationship between a reg and an SHO. <laughs> and, like, and... Like, that's so much more what I can relate to. Maybe it's, I don't know, I've been married since just before F1. Mm. And so it's, I've never even, like, considered the idea of anything more intimate than a standard professional relationship at work. Mm. But this was just, I think one of the big issues about it was it it came across as, like, quite seedy. Like, quite, like transactional and done and then afterwards like this SHO or whoever they were are not spoken to Mm. yeah that's something a bit concerning about it yeah I definitely avoided them and stuff afterwards and people were saying that there's stuff in the story that made it sound like this might be there might be a pattern of behavior by the reg certainly sounded Mm. rather creepy preying on the junior colleague mm, yeah mm. yeah just i think i joked on twitter that oh, i need to find out where the red room is and someone was like oh, you're a consultant you can't go there and i'm like man i feel like i missed out on all levels here like now i can't i'm not allowed to go to the red room apparently and i avoided the red room while i was a registrar in radiology because i didn't want them to think i was do- wasn't doing anything or know that I wasn't doing anything because <laughs> that's the way it was in fact like i remember when i was when i was a student i used to pop up to the mess room because i had cereal boxes they had like loads of cereal there mm. and i used to not even bother turning up you know, dressing up for clinics i used to turn up there go have my serum and leave and actually the cleaner so I, I remember once i dressed up in clinics clothes walked in to get breakfast and the lady came up to me the cleaner came up to me and said listen but there's a tramp that keeps walking in every morning and keeps taking the cereal so just to keep an eye out for them and i thought <laughs> what <laughs> 
Oh no! Yeah. Oh my god! So that's what the mess room was for me, man. Kenning's free cereal. Like, I didn't know this stuff happened. That's that's amazing. Maybe not so amazing. I don't know. Just wow. Life really does um, surprise you sometimes, huh? <laughs> One thing I was thinking about this situation, beanbag situation, was like a lot of the concern that was made in, on Twitter was because of the way it ended, because mm. this SHO was ignored and given silent treatment, essentially, and it was just not spoken about. Mm. By the way, has there been an update? Is there, no, there's been no update, has there? No. no, no. Was, well, when I looked yesterday, okay. I didn't see one. Let's say it ended up differently and this Reg had then taken them out for breakfast and then they exchanged numbers and carried on speaking. And but Would that have made it any more appropriate? Would it have made it any more acceptable? Probably, like, we would have looked at this Reg with slightly nicer, in a slightly nicer view, but I don't know if it would have made it any more okay. There is still, there's still, like, a power differential mm. and a, and a, and a, and a gradient of, what's it called? Like, like a power yeah. gradient. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, that, that makes it a, a, potentially very dodgy situation yeah yeah i think so i think truth is we've seen this kind of stuff i've heard about this kind of stuff happening where we work where there is a senior then something happens and i do worry about that power differential like how much of it is as a result of that power difference between the two people involved and like you say joseph fair enough if it turns out to be a relationship etc maybe people would look at it differently maybe people wouldn't uh, look back and it just be nice like a bit of a slightly weird the romantic yeah. story of how a relationship began it's difficult isn't it i think it's like if one of your friends was telling you that had happened you'd be a bit like did you like that person it just it's i think there are, there are certainly follow-up questions isn't it where you'd be wanting to check if that person's okay and i think mm. i think there are a number of questions that you'd, you'd want answered so i think and also it's probably not a story that you'd like jokingly mention on the post-date war in the morning would you so <laughs> i just do i think they've definitely crossed some lines there so mm. i hope that person's okay but then moving on there was like, there's that Adam Kay trailer, right? The, this is mm. going to hurt, but, and the adaptation of his book. And that also showed a kind of yeah. power gradient thing that looked rather toxic. Have you, mm. Did you guys see that? Yeah, people seem to have a very polarizing view of Adam Kay, especially in the med Twitter world. Joseph, what do you think of Adam Kay? What do you think of the trailer and all that? I, so I loved the book. Mm. I really loved the. I went to see him in Leicester Square yeah. as well. Mm. I absolutely loved the show. And I, I had a really great experience because there was a song where he sings and he, he says that, he, it, like, he sings the songs and then leaves a gap. It, like, say, sings symptoms, basically, and then leaves a gap for the audience to answer <laughs> what the diagnosis is. <laughs> right. So he was like, itchy rash in babies chicken pox or yeah. whatever mm. and then he sang the symptoms of yellow fever right. and i was the only person <gasps> in the entire crowd who sang yellow fever uh, back and he was like who are you are you a doctor and i was like yeah i'm a doctor and he's like, you're not an ophthalmologist clearly because <laughs> uh, you know what diseases are and that was i loved the show mm. and i actually i think he's been a real force for good in terms of like campaigning for the junior doctors mm. uh, during the whole conference and being i think like he's like kind of the opposite of some other big medical celebrities that we've mm. seen who use their voice for the opposite mm. to like not necessarily spread important messages mm. so i really like adam mm. k yeah. and also i really like the amateur transplants who was his his band with Simon biswas mm. but this trailer just makes it i think it makes him look out to be more of an arsehole than he is mm. if you know I'm speaking down to the female sho of color mm. It's just not, and that might not be how it actually went down. They may have just done that because they had a diversity quota to fill and that's the, the person they picked for that role. Mm. But it's not, it's really not a good look, that. Yeah, but... So yeah. I don't know, that, that, that trailer was not, it left a bit of a sour taste but in my The mind. thing is, I do feel, I see what people are saying, 
But I also think that we have to remember that it is entertainment and there is a, there is not an agenda, there is a stereotype that doctors have, especially when you're in a high stress environment in term, in, and in this situation. And that kind of the expectation is the same as you when you watch The Apprentice. Yeah. And they're, they're trying to push this agenda that you have to be really mean. You've got to take people out. You've got to be, you've got to swipe people out, you know, out and stuff like this and play this weird game. But you mm-hmm. don't have to be like that to do to be successful in anything, really. But it it doesn't make for good TV. It doesn't make for entertainment, and doesn't push the agenda of what they're trying to push business people to be like. And I think this is similar. If you think about the character that you, we saw Adam K in the trailer, like to me, it didn't feel too different to what Doctor Cox in in yeah. Scrubs. Doctor Cox was the same. Yes, yes. You know, very condescending, very rude, very smart, and all those things. But we didn't have too much of an issue with that. And I just felt, I, I personally felt as though when I saw that trailer, I thought, it's all right, trailer. And how much can you really tell from trailer? It wasn't great. I didn't think, it didn't make me feel like I want to watch it. But uh, yeah, I felt that maybe some of the criticisms were a bit unfair. Uh, what do you think, Thrusha? Yeah. yeah, no, fair enough. That's a great example, really, because Dr. Cox was almost seen as a bit of a hero, wasn't he? And mm. he called JD, mm-hmm. like, girls' names and stuff. And um, yeah. he had, yeah, really, like, problematic behaviour. Like, uh, I remember he, he was quite badly behaved. So... I guess, what lens are we applying for this? Is that because this guy is a, like is talking about his own accounts? I don't know like what, what we're really applying, but I guess if they showed the mundane stuff, like if the trailer was him rewriting a drug... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, yeah. What's the GFR? Or like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. God. Or like supporting a struggling junior. No one's <laughs> yeah, going to want to watch that. That's obviously... Like, but the thing about Cox, the thing about Perry Cox in, in Scrubs is that he, as you say, he ends up like a hero and you see the sensitive side to him and you see his fragility and his weakness mm. and his vulnerability. Mm. It could just be that we've only seen a 90 second trailer yeah. for This Is Going To Hurt. And, exactly. And I, like, have you guys have read the book? Yeah, have you read the yeah book? I've read the book. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah I've oh, read it. Yeah, so yeah. I'm not going to, well, no spoilers You kind of know me, that he doesn't like, continue with medicine. Right? But why yeah. is that? What's that landmark event yeah. that makes him yeah, yeah. decide to leave? Mm. And that's at the, right at the end of the book. Mm. And... I think by the end of this series, if it goes the way of the book, you, I think we'll be able to see his vulnerability and 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 the fact that he's not just some snarly tosser of a reg who puts down his juniors. Yeah, exactly. And we've talked about this before in the podcast. Most stories are the same, really. If you take a step back, it's like we talk about the Matrix and what the Matrix really is. Like, yeah, it's all Kung Fu and all the rest of it. But actually, it's a story about love and destiny and human choice and all Mm. that. It's a very complex story when you really sit back and watch it as a close to 40 year old now compared to the 18 year old that I was. But and I think this is the same with any story. There's actually there's not much to stories beyond the packaging that it has. And so the packaging is going to be a doctor going through their life, going through becoming more senior and dealing with patients in semi-funny situations and not so funny situations, and hopefully coming out as a better person or having some sort of moment. That's the that's going to be the story from any of these things. And yeah, I just feel sometimes, yeah, people are a little bit unfair with, with Adam K in the med Twitter sphere in terms of like how much they took from a 90 second trailer. We haven't even seen the entire thing. And Fight Club, one of Therusha and my, our favorite films, I mean, that tanked in the cinemas and it wasn't a particularly great trailer. And then later on, once a DVD movie came out and people started watching it again and again, they realized, hang on, this is a phenomenal movie and it's now probably one of my top 10 uh, films. We, we're talking about one of the reasons that people didn't like the trailer was the fact that they were, he was infantilizing the junior that was with him. And that came up this week. And there was someone called mm. Greta McLachlan. Uh, I hope I say this right. McLachlan. The other day, the other day. McLachlan. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, the other day. And. <laughs> A consultant said... You have no right to complain when anyone can't, can't <laughs> yeah, pronounce exactly. Abu Laska. Okay? I'm trying, I'm again. trying. Greta McLaughlin. Mc, uh, Greta McLaughlin. Yeah? McLaughlin. McLaughlin. 
I'm probably getting it wrong. <laughs> Greta's going gonna... to gonna write to off, off yeah. and complain yeah, about it. Yeah, exactly. So she says, the other day, a consultant said, let's leave it to the children. Referencing myself and the other reg, I replied, I'm almost 38 with... Oh, she actually replied. Wow, good for you, mate. I'm almost 38 with a mortgage and wife. I definitely don't feel like a child. I'm sure my colleague doesn't either. I was very pleased with myself. The thing is, Joseph... When you say, let's leave it to the children, you probably mean it being a paediatric doctor, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, we don't leave, we don't tend to leave the jobs to them. Right? Yeah, go sort you, go, do me a favour, do me a favour, Tommy, go chat to the radiologist. Yeah. How can you say no to Tommy? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. exactly. But, uh, sometimes I feel like taking them with just for the sob stories. Uh, like, oh, please. Uh, oh, a little yeah. I might have a brain tumor, please. Just give me an MRI. That was the only threat. That wasn't the only thread, was there? There was literally yeah. another one by Muhammad Ali that said, was called a minion once by one of the managers talking to my consultant in front of me. As in, mm. would you mind asking one of your minions to do that whilst nodding to me? I was at ST5 at the time. The junior doctor identity needs to be revisited. Re- do you think it's mm. as simple as the fact that the junior doctor's contract and the whole junior doctor thing? Or do you think it's more complex? As in the name junior Yeah, do you think that's the problem? How it relates to our role. Well, I mean, it's like... No, I think it's a systemic thing. It's just more, it's more than just the name. I wouldn't... No one would care being called junior doctor if we were treated with a bit of... Respect. Respect. <laughs> I, I have mixed feelings about this whole thing, though. Oh, yeah? Because when I was an F1... When I was an F1, I was very much... Like, I was an average student, and I was very much... They say, like, you learn to drive when you pass... After you pass your yeah. test, kind of thing. That was me as an F1. And I was very much like, listen... Spoon feed me. Yeah. Like, just, I, I, I need to be told what to do. I'm not going to like be amazing at this at the beginning. I am a child. Mm. Like, I want to. I'd rather be a little bit infantilized now so that I can empower myself once you've taught me what to do. Yeah. And that, I think that way, if you get taught by good people, you pick up good habits. Yeah. Later on, now that I'm in ST5 and like I'm solely responsible for the kids at night and stuff like that, it's a different story. Like, I don't like n- now it. And even into like early SHO years, mid SHO years, like then enough is enough because I'm having kids. I've got things in life that I need to see to. I'm not just rotor fodder. I'm not just a minion, as you yeah. say. I think that's a problem, isn't it? Because th- that attitude, that being called a minion kind of permeates to other things. Like when you're asking for leave or mm. w- when something isn't done, like just the way yeah. that you're regarded. So I think people, some people get very defensive. Oh, it's just like a name. But actually it's what it signifies and that kind of behavior towards you because there's a whole kind of culture of interaction. I, I remember when a consultant actually yeah. finally called me a colleague and I was a reg at the time and they called me a colleague. I remember, I still remember that feeling I got like when they called me a colleague. I was like, wow, I'm a colleague. That's so nice. Like I'm finally being... I'm not saying I'm an equal, but I, I'm a colleague, not not just my junior yeah. or my reg just told me this. But we all have a bit of ownership, isn't it? Like uh, like I said to you guys before, when someone said, oh, I'll talk to my reg and they're pointing at me and my consultant and they're pointing at me as a, I'm your consultant. What are you talking about? There's a, there's that dynamic that exists between both sides, isn't it? Mm. I'll talk to my consultant. I'll talk to my registrar. I'll talk to my juniors about this. But yeah, we've seen that a lot, isn't it? Yeah, we've seen that come up there. And we've seen that come up in in the situation with being called minions. But then it's a, it's a like the respect of time as well. Like people don't seem to respect junior doctors' time. And there was this other tweet that popped up to do with how much time we're spending doing QIPs. Fred Ahmed, hopefully I said that right, said that the expectation that all doctors should consistently engage in audit QIP is a feature of a system that's trying to squeeze value out of hardworking people without paying them properly for it. This is this echoes so much, doesn't it, with all of our lives during training? How much time you spent doing stuff that's not really your kind of is it your job? Is it really? 
Yeah. The thing is that so many people are doing it because they feel like they have to for their um, portfolios and stuff, and that's something that's curated by the bosses. But you're right, isn't it? It's all just really exploitative, isn't it? Because people want to have control over their lives. Yeah. They want to get the jobs they want, and so they're doing this stuff for free because they think that they're going to get that out of it. But it's more exploitation. Yeah, it's a racket, essentially. Yeah. It's a situation that's been created so that the points on the form situation is a bit created so that we'll do audits and mm. clicks and stuff like that. And we're then, I don't want to say they're extorted because it's not like manual backbreaking labor but it's we're then put in a position where we have to do it otherwise we can't get the jobs we want well i I would say it is extorted i would say it's extorted because they're expecting to do it in your own time they're not giving you time for it if you try and get a consultant to do any of that they're going to start asking for sessions they say well give me half a session for that (laughs) give me a session for that i guarantee it but when it's a junior doctor's like doing your own time you know just doing your own time stay late if you have to and that's that i feel that is a bit i think it's on us to it's on us to take the time. It's on us to make sure we get the time. And actually, like the Royal College of Pediatrics and Child Health mm. have last almost a year now, I think it's been, that it's like the very official guidance, which all trusts should be listening to and following, is that we get 16 hours a month of like audit, quip time, whatever, yeah. like time to do that. Mm. And it's not a crazy amount of time, if, even if it's two working days a month. I'll take that. I do a lot in or two days. Four afternoon yeah. sessions a week. Mm. Uh, four afternoon afternoon sessions a month. Like you can do a lot in that mm. time. And I think it, it, once people are given that time, they might use the time to actually do things that are meaningful, that they enjoy, and that they actually see need to be changed. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Because it's hard to do service and think that you've spotted something that could be improved and then have to spend your own time to improve it. If you had time to actually focus your efforts within work time to actually improve the department and improve things for patients, then that's a good thing. It actually reminds me when I was doing an audit once and my wife who works in city, she works a lot. She worked a lot with Excel and me being an idiot, I don't know how to use Excel properly. And I was trying to do something and she was like, let me have a look at that. And she did. She had a look at it and fixed everything within like seconds. And I'm like, what on earth did you do? And she was using something called pivot tables. I don't know if you guys know what that is. I had no idea what it was, but it's these three or four pivot tables and had basically done the entire audit like in seconds and so i, I went what is it what is it, what <laughs> know, it exactly i i, st- I, mean, you know I still don't know what it that? is but it was something to do like if- <laughs> i'm like on a typewriter <laughs> <laughs> i'm still doing like tally charts honestly like excel excel is so powerful it's so powerful in fact there's a tiktok account which i follow and they give you a daily excel like tips and tricks and i'm like i did not know excel could do this stuff it's so nuts and literally i went to the next day and i showed the consultant this is the work i'd done and they're like how did you get through so much work so quickly and I didn't tell them about the pivot shift, the pivot tables. I just said, oh, I went through all the data. Like, I can't believe you got through so much. There's so much work you did. That's so impressive. It was just a formula. And it just does make you wonder. A lot of it is just data analysis, isn't it? And that's what it is. And you mm. could probably find someone on Fiverr, anonymize the data, give someone on Fiverr, the, the, um, give, them a fi- give them a Fiverr, and get them to do your data analysis. Yeah. And your audit is done and, and you're through. And you could spend the rest of the time um, actually doing what you want to do. And I don't know, go chill or something, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah there's a little hustle for you guys and also yeah, do check go. out that excel tiktok it's pretty cool i think that person's yeah, done quite well for i'm me. so excited to do my next audit <laughs> i can't wait to audit oh my gosh, so wow. i can just i can learn about excel yeah, some yeah, cpd yeah, yeah. points from the uh, podcast there yeah you, you lit a fire in my belly oh, john wow. so i can't wait there you go there you go i wonder how much i could help you with your md through shit do you do a lot of data analysis on your thing yeah, Excel's not powerful enough. I've had to do like stuff on SPSS no. and Starter. Ooh, I know. Ooh, I know right, check you out. Yeah, I still use YouTube though to like learn how to do stuff. It's ridiculous. Yeah, what do we um, do before YouTube and all that? Yeah, it's, it's so true though. There's just so, it's amazing. Whenever there's like a problem and stuff, there's what a TikTok or a YouTube video on how to fix it. Isn't that amazing? Mm, That's what it's called. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's true. It's so like we're so lucky to have this 
access to information. And speaking of trying to fix uh, a situation, the BMA came out with something this week, didn't they? And trying to help you. Learn to play a musical instrument, everyone. I keep the guitar in my office and have a quiet 20 minutes practice before leaving work at night. Try it. It will do wonders for your mind. A consultant in Scotland. Uh, we asked the BMA members, for, BMA members for their best advice on managing their well-being this winter. What's your top tip? BMA Wellbeing Support Services are free and confidential for all doctors and medical services 24-7. So play an instrument, everyone. Have one in the office, have one in the mess room. I don't know, make some bean bags if you're getting stressed. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph, you were well, telling well, me yesterday um, something about how you were doing something that caught people's attention. Oh, God, this is... Like, my wife still takes the piss out of me for this because <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. Trisha, so, I love I, this. I, like I love last this. year, yeah. it's, just, it's such a joke. <laughs> I feel, I feel ridiculous talking about it. Um, last year, like, I'm at work and like, I was literally just, I can't be on this ward anymore. Like, it's three o'clock. I need to have some fresh air. And I was like, come on. I took the, all the SHOs and the F1. And I'm like, we're going for a walk. Like, I work in the <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're going for a walk. We're, we're on the hospital grounds. We're in the range of the bleep. We're probably, like, well within running distance, any alarms that go off or whatever. And we went for a walk and it ended up not being like a very scenic route because we're literally walking around a car park in North. And then like we did it, we ended up doing it. We started doing it like once a week. And then someone was like, oh, what do you do? Relax at work or something. And I commented, I was like, oh, I like going for a walk. Like we, we go for walks where, where I work. Cause it's nice to go for a walk and you chat to your colleagues and all that kind of thing. You're not talking about work or whatever. The BMA, the BMJ, I love them for this. They got in contact with me. They sent over a photographer and a journalist oh to do a whole, there was a whole report about it in the BMJ <laughs> about well-being wow. walks, right? These well -being. And my wife was, I, I, I showed it to my mom, I was like, oh look, I'm in the BMJ because of the walks. And she's like, <laughs> she's like, you literally, you, you walked in a magazine. Like, she was like, no wonder you leave it in a pile every week and don't read it. No wonder like they go straight into the recycling <laughs> when it's talking about literally people walking outside during work. Like, how ridiculous. It's amazing. But, like, then it comes, it's, it's like ridiculous that that's like even special, yeah. like going for a mm. walk special, like how bad has it become yeah. that we are, we have to appreciate a walk in fresh air. Yeah. And so like, this is Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then true. the BMA is like, okay, I'm not going to sort out your pay. I'm not going to sort your hours. I'm not going to sort your work condition, but play the guitar. That's going to help yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. That's going to help you. It has, it's so tone deaf. I like it. I'm, there. I'm here yes. for it. I'm here for it. It's nice. But it's not only like, it's not only play the guitar. Mm. It's stay after work and play the guitar. Yeah. Don't play in your lunch break. <laughs> Don't play at home when you get home to your house. Yeah. Play, stay at work. Stay in the office, yeah. which you can't breathe in because there's no windows and there's only one desk and a bin to sit on. <laughs> yeah, it's so you know? true. Yeah, exactly. It's so true. Speaking of going for a walk, and you might want to choose certain attire for the, the shoes that you're going to yeah. be wearing. That came up this week, didn't it, Thrusha? What did you think of that one? Yeah. Yeah. So you're quoting his Millennial Medics tweet. Um, mm. OK Med Twitter, mm. today I wore clean Converse to placement and was told it was extremely unprofessional. Extremely, not just mm. unprofessional. Yeah. I look smart otherwise, and I just don't really see how my choice of footwear makes me unprofessional. I wouldn't mind if my doctor wore trainers as long as they were kind. And there are quite a few responses that were quite supportive, right? A couple of paediatricians actually point, uh, pointing at their like, funky. Yeah, but they're always uh, going to be nice. Paediatricians are always nice. That's true. We're I not. We're oh, not. you know, I, my experience <laughs> with them had been very nice. So maybe they're just nice to yeah. me trying to get a scan. I don't know what it is. But anyway, they always seem nice. Yeah, no, no, I've, yeah, I've had the same. I've had the same. But like, there were some less, less forgiving responses. There were some, and there were some that were just rather. They were just mean, weren't they? Like, mm. There were a couple which were like. Yeah, there was. Ugh. 
I know that there's a policy not to call people out because it can pylon. like pylon. initiate pylons and stuff like that. And that's really, I agree with you, we shouldn't do that. But there was one account who like, this wasn't the first occasion of just coming in and like being a bit mean mm. to to junior people. And, and like saying stuff like it's pathetic, it's yeah. ridiculous. It's, that's, is it over shoes? Like who cares? Mm. They're shoes. I guarantee you no patient cares what shoes you wear. Yeah, do you think so, though? Because I know that, um, like, I think if you go, I think, like, I had a friend who was from a very well-off background. He he had a Porsche uh, as an F1, actually. He had a Porsche as an F1. It was a very fancy car. And he used to drive, no, and he, he had it for years. And he actually became a GP, and he used to take on home visits. And he actually got taken to the side by the GP manager, GP partner, saying, can you stop turning up to the patient's houses in that Porsche? It's making us look bad. And then... Wow. Yeah, and it does make you wonder. Yeah, perception does have an effect on most things. And I read a book called, I'll try and remember it later, but there was a book I read and it was all about businesses and stuff and how actually a lot of thought goes into attire. If you go into a shop, there's no coincidence that the person behind that reception is probably wearing a blue shirt because they've looked into it and found out that blue shirts are more appealing than someone wearing a red shirt. And it's more appealing than someone wearing a yellow shirt. A blue shirt's more approachable. And there was something that Johnny, Johnny Gukian, she, he actually tweeted out, which he was quoting someone else who was talking about professionalism. And there was some research done by a plastic surgery, surgery journal. And what essentially happened is that they were, someone was, I think a group of people were given a whole lot of pictures of doctors in different attire. And the people were asked to give a rating as to which ones were going to be the most professional, the ones that they want to interact with most. And no coincidence there. They didn't go for people who look like they're going shopping. They didn't go for someone that didn't look like they were. I assume they didn't have Converse on this one. But I assume that probably wouldn't have gone down so well in this particular thing. And, and I know we try and say that it doesn't matter. But I think it does to some people, especially especially with some patients and trying to be professional. I don't know. Is that my bad take? What do you guys think? The thing is, though, yes, there are, there are going to be people who care about that. But mm. I'm not sure we necessarily should be pandering to that anyway. Does mm. it really matter? There are going to be people who, when they come across like a brown doctor and see a white doctor, and they're mm. going to well, know that they may well think that the white doctor is better just on some kind of like a subconscious level or whatever. Mm. But well, tough. In the same way, like, I think if a person's wearing comfortable shoes or whatever, I don't think it's necessarily like a bad thing. Like, even if they have that kind of preconception of you as you're walking up to them, like, as long as you're like, I, I don't know. I just think if that person's nice to you, then you should be getting, you've got, if you're in a hospital bed, you've got bigger problems. That's true. Shoes, though, right? That's true. But so I think like, um, you're asking a lot of the public to, to think further than that, isn't it? Look, look at the stuff that they take in from general media, social media. It doesn't always make sense. And so we know that someone wearing Converse doesn't mean they're a bad doctor. Of course it doesn't. That doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense. But yeah. for the person on the other end, it, I guess I, I can see it's like when I was back at back at one place I was training, there was one one particular radiologist. Let's say allegedly, I have to say allegedly here. There's one radiologist who was absolutely awesome. He'd wipe the floor with anyone. He was absolutely phenomenal. And the other radiologist was this tall white guy and he always wore fancy watches and fancy shirts. And everyone was always trying to get that other guy's attention, even though that guy was always asking the other one's attention, like opinion on scans. They go for the guy with the nice shirt and the nice watch. Because he's shown success, he's shown people like what they want to know. He's trying to show them that he's the one that's making the big bucks, and he's the one to go to. Yeah. And so I, it yeah. depends on the crowd. Of course, it does. Yeah. Yeah. But look, look at that. Look in your very example, and mm. they are going to the person who, on appearances, on the outside of it, their appearance was like better or whatever from their perspective. But he was actually going to the other person. So it yeah. just shows what a poor predictive, poor predictive value in like working out whether your doctor's good or not. So I don't think mm. it really should matter. And if it does matter to them, that's an irrelevance, really, because I think the thing is that if we all end up being ubiquitous and all looking the same, mm. then, I mean that in itself isn't very inclusive either. 
In fact, there may be some people who look at uh, look at a doctor wearing Converse's and whatever and think, oh, wow, it's outside the box. Like Maybe they're more likely to like appreciate my out-of-the-box mm. symptoms or whatever. Yeah, I guess so. What, what do you wear to work? What shoes? <laughs> yeah, what so, shoes do you wear to work? Yeah, so I, I, I come at this from a very uh, different perspective because I'm, I work in paediatrics. So mm. I think actually the softer you look and the less formal you make things, mm. the better it is because you oh, put yeah. parents at ease. Yeah, yeah. Look, don't get me wrong, there are still some parents who I think are like fall for this pretense of mm. if he's in a suit, he, he knows what he's talking about. Mm. But the kids, I think, don't care what shoes you wear. Mm. And the parents, generally speaking, also I'm in a, like, I work in almost always just scrubs. Yeah. So it would be ridiculous for me to wear smart shoes. But I'm like <laughs> I'm like a very, like run-of-the-mill white trainers scrubs yeah and even I, I i have previously even when i wear like chinos and a shirt or whatever i probably wear like a pair of like smartish looking trainers mm. like nothing crazy mm. because at the end of the day i'm gonna do my job better if i'm comfortable yeah and 99 percent of the time the parents don't care they're just at ease by they they become more at ease if, if we are more soft and gentle and comfortable with them. God, I don't know how you do what you do, mate. Honestly, I think it was the parents that are the most difficult thing to deal with in pediatrics. Uh, have you? Is that true? I don't know. When I did, obviously, my experience of pediatrics is very small. I did the pediatrics a bit of A and E, like the pediatric A and E, and yeah. the kids are fine. It was the parents that were just yeah. at me and they were on and on. And obviously I'm not the kind of person that, and especially what I do now, it's not so much to do with seeing patients and it works out for me, but I just found the parents really difficult. And I understand that of course they're worried about their child, but they were the bigger, they were the patient really. That's what I felt when I was doing, when I was doing that bit. Is that the case? Have I got that wrong? No, they are. But I think once you're comfortable and you're confident in what you're doing and, and you know actually what you're talking about mm. and you and you talk confidently about reality like what what like, like the truth and you can properly reassure them and you communicate it properly then they take it pretty well but what i always think because adult doctors are always like oh i can't, can't deal with peds you got to deal with the parents i'm like who do you think your patients are mm. like your patients are the parents <laughs> yeah. like, the actual parents or or those those or or like if you're a old age person doctor i don't know what you're allowed to call geriatric if you look after people over the age of 80 you've got the you've got those people as the children who are then like fulfilling the same role and also you don't have all the other stuff with peds all the smoking and alcohol related diseases like and they all deserve treatment but like i just can't be asked for it like (laughs) honestly I'd much prefer the stuff that kids haven't done to themselves. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know, Matt. I really don't oh, know. God, I'm going to get slammed for that. That might need to be cut because I think people are going to be like, this bastard Mengele is there. <laughs> <laughs> You're damned uh, if you do. It'll be over something really innocuous that we haven't even thought of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I thought Senka, she quote tweeted someone who uh, made the point that people would argue about shoes or at least people getting like really het up over shoes because we have so little control within the NHS and that just really sums it up like we have so little control over the kind of big problems <laughs> so we focus on the little things like the shoes but really nobody would care if, if there are loads of us and like the care was mm. amazing and people get everything they wanted within five minutes and nobody would care what shoes you wear but we mm. fight over those little things because it's why people tell you off for wearing a jumper yeah like, exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah it's so true they need to have like a crumb of control over over something mm. 
Yeah, it's it's crazy what people, yeah, it's a shame what people do get worked up about, isn't it? And then you can imagine if you are the kind of person who wants to wear trainers and kind of converses into work, fair enough. And, and I think this kind of relates to something that I thought Shivani Misra, our previous guest, who is a phenomenal guest and someone that we tweet about, I've mentioned a lot. She said, oh, I oh she's brilliant. She's good, isn't she? Oh, really? I really like this. She's she goes, brilliant. I'm stealing what um, at Ian, Ian R. Jenner said below the tweet, fitting together rather than fitting in. And um, she's quote tweeted someone else who was talking about how, yeah, it's not about fitting in it's about fitting together you're a jigsaw piece that needs to fit in with everyone fit together with everyone else rather than you having to conform to the things around you and i think that's a difficult place to get don't you think as especially as a junior you're trying to you are trying to conform as a junior to what your consultants are telling you to what your scheme is telling you to do what other colleges are telling you to do is there space for this in our stage or in the nhs to grow together rather than just trying to fit in I think there has to be like how not only how boring would it be, but also how useless would the service be if we all did the same thing and thought the same way and approached problems with the same like protocols in our minds. Like it would be, it would it wouldn't work. Like the, one of the greatest things about working in a in massive teams is that everyone brings a different way of thinking to it and everyone yeah. brings a different hmm. uh, you know, social approach to, to teamwork and everyone brings a different way of getting things done yeah i love this idea and it's i think it was Halem moravej who did the posted the original tweet with the puzzle pieces hmm. and it's just it really is it was really satisfying to see hmm. yeah exactly it articulates really like articulates probably the wrong word because it's difficult to articulate isn't it but it's like that picture yeah. that kind of really sums up that kind of sentiment isn't it just being mm-hmm. part of this kind of homogenous group and then other bits just slotting together each kind of curve and crevice just slotting together it's really nice but Zander did a tweet similarly which he was talking about racism but he was saying about how the NHS ref- should reflect it reflects society and that's mm. in good ways and bad mm-hmm. and want to try and reflect the kind of good things about it by representing everyone surely yeah exactly exactly there was we're talking about relationships and how we fit in with each other and there was another tweet from zach mm-hmm. zach i'm gonna say this wrong again i'm really sorry zach muench um called an oncologist i hooked up with and got the same got the, a same day er follow-up appointment for a patient that is the power of gay agenda ladies there you go personal relationships helping you out when you need it the most and joseph you were mentioning something yesterday about personal relationships getting what you need <laughs> what? It sounds sinister, doesn't it? It's not. What, what? <laughs> Getting a scan. Okay, maybe. Imran, we said we would never discuss this. We said we would never talk about it. No, I am like I'm. I'm a real believer in, and I think this is very different to some of the other people I work with. Sometimes, like I'm a real believer. If, if you're going to ask a radiologist for a scan, or you're going to ask a whoever for a what, or for a consult, or whatever, go and speak to them. Go and meet them, let them see your face, let them see that you are not some just like opportunistic red trying to get, squeeze them for whatever they, for whatever you can today. Take them a chocolate, go and actually make the effort. And I think it, it really is one of the most important things I've learned throughout medicine, that building personal relationships with people is the best way to, and this is going to sound really, how do you say it, utilitarian, but it's the best way to get things done. It's the best way to get what you want mm-hmm. and, and the best way to get what you want for your patient and what your patient needs by having personal relationships with people. It's like, I, I had it the other night, I was calling at the neonatal transport service to transport a sick baby out of our neonatal unit. And I got on the phone and 
it was a reg who I used to work with and I know oh. really well, and we used to have late night chats on our night shifts mm. and blah, blah, blah. It made everything so much mm, easier. Yeah. Like every, all the discussions, like we had a nice catch up before I gave her the handover and mm. then, and it made the whole handover so much easier because mm. we had a personal relationship. How that applies to this uh, <laughs> oncology hookup situation, <laughs> if I wanted to know, listen, I don't buy it. I'm sure the agenda is powerful and strong, but I think this is more a case of the cancer agenda. Because don't tell me, don't tell me that uh, some cancer patient is getting a delayed appointment in A&E because, like, I think this is more like the patient just needed it. It would be great if the gay agenda is that strong and it can get patients seen quicker as well. But this one is probably just more the cancer agenda. Yeah, yeah so true. It's so true. It's true. It's one of the nice things of working in a DGH, isn't it, though? That it is easier to get to know people, whereas I guess when you're in a bigger hospital, in like a tertiary centre, it's much more difficult to get to know people's faces and mm. um, to form, to cultivate those really... I find like the messes are generally a bit more lively. Well, as in, this is all pre-COVID. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, lively <laughs> mess. Is that what you're saying? Okay, yeah, go on. Yeah. Oh, go on. <laughs> I haven't been to the mess. I haven't been to the mess since F1. Oh, wow. Really? Wow. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. Partially because like the hospitals I've worked at haven't had amazing messes, mm. but also because like impedes like we live in a bit of a silo. Like we mm. we don't like interact. We don't, we don't go to these communal areas. We tend to eat like lunch on like in the seminar room on the ward or whatever if if there is one. Bit cliquey. And mm. yeah, it's a bit. It is a bit cliquey, and I really don't like it. That was one of the great things. That's when I met when I met Zach Ferguson. <gasps> oh, I was right. trying to break out of the clique because he was working in Barnet and I happened to have friends who were working in medicine. Right. And I was just I was just like, screw this. Like we're all sitting on the grass eating together, like in the sunshine. Let's go sit with the medics. We're gonna go sit with the adults. Oh. We're gonna go talk, talk about COPD or something. Oh you know, gosh. AF. Wow. Um, see, I still know I still know the lingo, AF. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nice. oh, sorry, a rapid ventricular response. Yeah, it reminds me of that, that friends episode, wasn't it? Where Joey uh, didn't Joey work with Ross or something and then they wouldn't sit next to each other at lunchtime. Do you remember that one? And then, yeah, they were working together and then they were such good mates, but at work he wasn't allowed to sit with Ross and then eventually he was like, you know what, I'm going to sit with my friend over there. Yes. Yeah, and that's, a, that's pretty much what you did yeah, there, yeah, isn't yeah, it? You had your that. friends a moment of, yeah. I'm going to sit with the adults. While well, the Ray Dorans are probably stuck in their dark room and avoiding everyone as per usual. Yeah. <laughs> it's sad when you're saying that, it did make me feel like, man, you guys sound like the radiologist of the outside world. Maybe I should hang out with some more paediatric people. Yeah, you 100%. I'm sure we have a lot in common. <laughs> we always want to know what the EGFR is and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'm joking, we don't care. <laughs> Speaking of which, about being isolated in run, um, mm. I got a DM about you today. Are you happy oh, to God. hear about it now? Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll quote it because it's special, mate. It's special. All right. What's happened here? What's happened? So you're saying that a message has come to me. Um... So it says, the message starts, so a piece of fan mail for Imran. Actually, he wrote fan tail and then wrote, actually, no, I mean fan mail. And then... Okay. Oh, wait, someone written fan fiction about in my muscle. Something, something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. So he goes, he's such a zaddy. I don't know what a zaddy is. I'm look this up. I'd be requesting CTs left and centre just to see him. <laughs> and apparently, and there are some emojis which I don't think translate very well to, to podcasts. But I think they're graphic, man. There are some vegetables and stuff. <laughs> is there an aubergine? It, it might be an aubergine. I don't know. A zaddy, a zaddy, informal. A sexually attractive man, especially an older one. who's oh. fashionable or charismatic. Wow. So many people go for Jeffrey. He's a zaddy. <laughs> and so is Imran. I didn't even know that was a... Wow. I've never heard of this. So Imran, what are your thoughts? I have no thoughts beyond saying it's very, uh, very flattering. 
and not something I expected at any point in my entire career that I would have any sort of <laughs> anything like that. Because I mean, look, I, I chose to do radiology to sit in the dark room. I don't expect to get like someone to say, I'm really, I'm a big fan of your reports are amazing. That's never going to happen. And to get something like that, it's nice. Uh, it's nice. Uh, you, you got a bit of attention this week, didn't you? Yeah. There was a whole flexing the bicep and the tricep and then... Oh, uh, you've all been getting guns <laughs> attention. This is madness. <laughs> what is going on? Yes. I wish I had guns. I'm sure you've got guns. Mate, sh- show them. Show them. You'll get bigged yeah, up. Yeah, I I've got no guns. Trisha, you're saying I got thirsted after. It sounds like you got thirsted after as well, mate. So the thing is, is that like, Jamie and Chris, they posted some stuff, how they're being Superman and Batman and stuff. And I was mm. like, I want to be a superhero too so yeah. i like just like held my breath and just tried to squeeze as possible like hard as possible and yeah, <laughs> there's a sound but i'm going to use later later um... <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> change the subject change the subject change the subject we're obviously i'm very thankful for that wonderful fan mail there was another tweet that was very thankful this week uh, claire someone called claire at little i'm not going to read the entire thread out but you know joseph i mean you you really like this one why don't you tell us about this particular thread i think it's a good one so yeah this was little claire pom who is a clearly a big legacy fulham fan her whole family of fulham fans and sadly her father passed away or had a cardiac arrest while at a Fulham match and received loads of care, was resuscitated and then arrested again on the way out of the stadium. And this was just a really beautiful, long thank you to so many different people, including like the people who, the first responders, the ambulance crew, Fulham as a club, the Khans who are the Fulham owners. And it was a really, it was just really, it was just something, it was really like brave and very quite inspiring that this person in the depths of their immediate grief were able to have this level of gratitude this level of uh, and in hebrew we call this hakarat hatov which is which means like recognition of the good recognition of what other people have done good for you and that's Mm. so hard to have Mm. when you're so sad Mm. to be able to think of something positive from such an awful experience really it was really inspiring and i I, it really shouldn't be discounted how hard it is to do to resuscitate someone in the middle of a football ground there's not space there's so much noise going on around you Mm. the pressure is really on i just think it's absolutely it's really lovely that they did manage to resuscitate him but you know sadly obviously he passed away but really beautiful that this woman has mm. said all these thank yous mm. yeah. this thing we don't see enough of do we there's there is so much good work that happens there is so much good work that happens in the nhs and so many people who put themselves out there do the extra mile and no one really ever says thank you often enough i think and mm-hmm. um, when you see a tweet like that you just think that it's nice that someone has taken their time to to write that thread and reflect and just say thank you to the people that tried, tried their best to bring their loved yeah. one back, isn't it? It's, it is nice. 100%. It reminds me of there's that Fred Rogers quote, which, where he says, when I was a boy, I would see scary things in the news. And my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You'll always find people that are helping. And mm. I guess that, yeah. she had a real grace, didn't she, in writing that book? It does give you some pause to say, oh, there are good people. And... There was another good tweet, I think, this week as well. Do you remember last week we had the whole new incident? Do you remember? Mm. I think oh, there was, God, Newham. yeah, Newham yeah. just became like the Med Twitter flavor of the week or something. And it was a shame because there was a lot of toing and froing between certain individuals about what was said and what wasn't said. But one of the perpetrators of some of the negativity came out this week with an apology thread saying that they'd apologized to the person in question that had that very public spat over on Twitter. And they also did this long thread about getting things wrong. And it was a a phenomenal sort of apology and explanation, I thought. Yeah, what did you guys think of it? 
excellent apology. Like it really, it was a proper apology. It wasn't an I'm sorry you feel that way. It wasn't yeah. a I'm mm. sorry but you did this. It was a very clear I got it wrong. You did nothing wrong. I am sorry. And it's just so refreshing to see. Yeah. Like we, how often do we see it that people just sometimes it's often it's you know. I don't like saying yeah, but the usual suspects will just double down, <laughs> yeah. and we'll just they'll just obviously they've muted everyone mm. and they've muted the thread and they can just close their phone and we'll let everyone yep. get exasperated about it. Mm. But this one was really like it's just so mature. It was just like a really like sensitive and adult way to approach things. I feel like no, it sounds like some good reflection went on, doesn't it? Like. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's really sat and thought about this and, like, probably beating herself up about it, which she probably shouldn't anyway. I feel like Pete Turton is, like, fuming because like, he loves a bit of a, he loves a, bit of a, a quarrel on the yeah. internet. And he's just like, oh, damn it, she's just said sorry. But I love it, I love it. No, I'm sure he's accepted it with grace. But it, it's just so refreshing to see. Yeah, she's identified, like, what, why it happened, from what point, why it can, might have happened from her point of view and some of the shortcomings from that, and then kind of explained it really well. And I think if people do get the chance to re, you know, I, I don't want to name the person because I don't want them to get a pile on for previous things, but... They deleted very, their... Oh, they deleted the previous thing, okay. But the, the apology is very good in terms of trying to identify where what's gone wrong, where it's gone wrong, how they could improve and where to move on to as well. I had to make sure that, that they don't fall into that same situation again. There was, I mean, unfortunately, there is a repeat offender falling into almost predictable situation, isn't it? Our, our good villain, Dr. Asim Malhotra, has been tweeting this week. Again. This was in no way predictable. <laughs> you don't think so? I never saw this coming. Oh. I never saw this coming. Halfway through the tweet, I never saw this coming. I don't know. I just feel like the, the more, yeah, I expect the extreme now. As soon as I whole anti-vax side happening i was like i'm gonna I'm expect more and more and so when that happened i was like all right what a surprise what a surprise this is literally the, almost at the extreme end though isn't it this is almost i don't know we're talking about hanging that's just so he's the tweet goes so i've always been against capital punishment okay fair enough good start anyway yeah, yeah, always all my life but and that me oh, but, but, but he's doing so mm. well from what i've learned in the past few months i've for the very first time, started to ask myself the question, should we bring back hanging? Now, I kind of wonder. Oh Who's he hanging? What was Who, he doing as he was writing that tweet? <laughs> yeah, what was he doing? Was he in a queue for something that was really long? What was he upset about? Was maybe maybe he's uh, having a really big dump like most of us do when we're mm. tweeting. Is he definitely talking about us? Like, <laughs> like, who is he talking about? Right. Could he just be talking about the people who install speed bumps? Yeah, I would hope yeah. so. And the thing, unfortunately, a hanging con connotation comes from previous anti-vax sentiments from not so long ago in our recent memory. Yeah. yeah. And so that's what the assumption is. about bringing back the Nuremberg trials, yeah. basically, yeah, yeah. for doctors yeah, exactly. who are pr providing vaccination. Hanging is a really, like... It's really specific mm, yeah. and it's really like, it's not like the electric chair or beheading, mm. hanging. The whole, I think one of the whole points of hanging was that the body is left there hanging and everyone can see the shame of it and oh. everyone is warned, like, don't you do this. Mm. And I think it has much more sinister connotations than I'd even thought of mm. when I first saw the tweet. That's dark. And it's, it's such a dark way to, to execute someone mm. and just to, to even think about this. It's, it's not good. But did you see, like, so obviously people were aghast, right? I was like, what the hell, right? I've been blocked by him ages ago, but that is just, as next level. But then people were like, oh, yeah, but his dad died. And I, as if, like, is that, like, an excuse? Or should we not be mentioning him? Should we be like, oh, okay, talk about hanging. He's grieving for his father. 
I feel like it's such a kind of, it's awful, right? Awful losing anyone. Mm. Do you like, and then is it reasonable then to advocate for other people to die then? Like, what? Yeah, I don't know. It just, um, I, don't know. I feel like they're separate situations, isn't it? And they should be treated separately because we live in a society where people can have bad things happen to them, but if they do something bad, it's, they've still done, done something bad. You go steal something, you're still going to end up in trouble regardless of what the pre-things are. And in this situation, it's time to get off Twitter if you're going through a lot. Don't you think? It's, it's, these aren't the things yeah. you want to be tweeting if you're in a bad space. And someone, and these are when you need friends around you to be able to say, listen, mate, I think you need to take a step back here and, and stuff like that. But unfortunately, this is playing up to a very specific crowd. And I think it's the same, a very similar crowd to that other doctor. I keep forgetting his name, the one who ended up on the news and has now become a poster boy yeah. for anti-vaxxers. They're, gonna, they're propelled into this sort of media frenzy of having fans now who are pushing them to be the, the spokesperson of the, this is the real doctor, not the ones who are working in the NHS. This is the guy who's going to tell you the truth and what's really happening, even though he doesn't work in it. He's, yeah. you know, he's got a prior practice. Well, he's speaking out. Yeah, he's the yeah. one speaking out. He's being brave. He's going against the grain. He's just playing to the crowd. That's all. It, to me, it feels as though it's just. I think it's a bit calculated. To me, it feels calculated. It, just playing to, to his new audience or the audience that he's trying to conjure up. Yeah. He always say so, for I the mean, money. Yeah. I think you're right. And just by even considering that, and even hadn't even thought about that uh, point about hanging Joseph. But like mm. the fact that it is so calculated makes me think that how can you argue that it's someone who's in their grief and just writing if they're if that's what they're actively trying to court? And I just think we're just letting. We're, we're letting this kind of horrible behavior s- slip oh, it's not like there's much that anyone can really do about it other than mm. call it out but it, we're, we're watching a kind of slow descent into just it's beyond quackery isn't it i don't even know what you can call it now. yeah it's it's yeah i don't know what the next level beyond quackery is but it, it is that and i think also i feel really bad for him that his father passed away i think it was quite sudden and his dad was like a giant mm. of campaigning for the NHS. He was a really amazing man. His dad was Kailash Chan. Mm. And I think I think the best way to honour his dad's memory is to do what he fought his whole life to do, which was like create a better NHS and better conditions for patients. And talking about hanging... Look, he hasn't specifically named, and that's probably... Purpose. On purpose, mm. that I don't know, like people suggesting that it was about doctors mm. is probably like a, he wants people to read that into it because he like, but suggesting hanging anyone is probably not the way his dad's memory should be honored. He may argue that this is this his way. He may genuinely believe that this is him trying to make things better. That, that may be what he genuinely believes. But yeah. the thing is. I, this sounds like a really silly example, but I remember a few years ago I was in Asda car park and I was walking through and there was a whole load of kids sitting on mopeds with neon lights and underneath the mopeds playing really loud music. And they look, to me, they look like a bit foolish. This is not a gangster thing. This is a little moped with little neon lights and all that kind of stuff. But then I thought, but then he's got an audience for that. Like he's got mates who like that, and he's got a girl. He's got girls who who will like him having little neon lights under his moped. And in that situation, I do feel as though yeah. Asim and all these people have got an audience, and that's why they're doing this. If they didn't have an audience, they wouldn't do this. They wouldn't tweet this stuff. It wouldn't matter. This would this kind of stuff would just get lost in the ether. We would never even see it pop up. Yeah. But yeah. there's an audience for it. There's an appetite for this stuff right now. Mm. And this is why this happens. This is why this gets all this attention. And uh, and that's why these tweets are happening in the first place. And place and you get these lozers and all them popping up yeah. on your newsfeed and hanging out with these people. Yeah. So in, in your example, Asim Hotra is the guy with the bed with the LEDs. Yeah. Underneath. And the rest of us are looking and thinking, what yeah. on earth are you doing, mate? <laughs> 
And he's thinking... The tweets, the tweets are the LEDs. Exactly, exactly. And then he's yeah. sitting there with his, his entourage thinking, yeah, but I've got my entourage. So what are you yeah, cussing me out enough. for? Enough? Fair enough, mate. Yeah. That's your crew. You do you, yeah. man. You do you. Yeah, <laughs> Speaking of you, um, yeah. it's a bit different, though, if, like, the LEDs are going around blinding. There's always that. I mean, talking about... I, I guess, like, we've seen this guy, doctor, and an interesting career path. There was someone who tweeted this week that caught my eye, Wahid Ahmed. He goes, anyone else feeling lost as an FY1? I was so keen at med school. Budding surgeon scientist, he quoted himself as being, right? I could call myself anything too. Anyway, budding entrepreneur, uh, businessman. Till mm. I started working in the NHS. I'm a super goal orientated, okay? But these days I'm so lost about my future in and out of the NHS. I appreciate advice from others who feel and have felt the same way. And Thrusha, we've quoted this person before. I don't know if you remember this. Okay. But yeah, yeah. So his pinned tweet was six years ago, two, two degrees obtained, University of Oxford, University of Exeter, 28 full text publications, including BMJ, <gasps> more than 100K in direct funding, 46 awards, prizes, oh, yeah, impacting wow. more than 1 million people a week on TikTok. Son of a taxi driver, oh, didn't do driver. too bad. So you, I don't even remember him, but we talked about how high achieving some people are and you know how amazing it is to be that high achieving. Yeah. Mm. But the same high achieving person now is coming out with statements of not being so sure, which is it's a difficult place to be, especially when you're living a life on social media, I feel. And yeah, we spoke about this yesterday, Joseph. What, what do you think? Yeah, I think the 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 higher, the bigger you are, the harder you fall mm. kind of thing. And this guy is clearly very well accomplished. Like, honestly, I could not have done all of those things he has done. It's absolutely unbelievable. It's insane, isn't it? Insane. Doing it all as an undergraduate. Mm. It's amazing. Mm. But then... I think when you're like when you're riding that high your entire medical school career and you start F1 and as he says like everyone hates their job and it's really hard and you're a cog in a machine it's a lot harder to take and it's a lot harder to come down and be like okay maybe I'm not going to be this academic maybe I'm not going to do this maybe I'm not going to maybe I'm going to just be a jobbing clinician and and not enjoy my foundation training or whatnot it's I think it's a lot harder when you've been when you've been so amazing to then come down to earth. Yeah. Um, and that should, that's not to be like, like, I'm happy for it. I, I think it's amazing that he's done so amazing. I'm not going to say, and I'm not going to say what a lot of people were saying about another tweet a couple of weeks ago or last week, which was like, having papers doesn't make you a good doctor and coming top of New Year doesn't make you a good doctor. Because it might, for some people, it might make you a really good doctor. For some people, it might not. For me, personally, like, I was always like an average student, average F1. There was, there was a consultant when I was in F1 who told me like, I was like, where am I? Like, how am I doing? He was like, listen, you're Stoke City. You might not get that, but Stoke or like bad football team in the Premier League. So they're, like, they're in the top league, mm. but they were fighting relegation pretty much year on year. <laughs> and he was like, you're Stoke City. This was Nick Murch, who's my consultant at the Royal Free. I absolutely love him. He's my educational supervisor. And he was like, you, he was like, you could do better. You could be like, Arsenal or Liverpool mm. but you just need to do that extra bit more and I was like yeah that, that's good I like that motivation yeah but maybe that's why like the failures were fine for me because I was always a bit average so I never really I didn't fall that hard when I fell mm. yeah, do you know enough. what I mean he could have meant Stoke City when they had Peter Crouch maybe no, this was <laughs> when did they have Crouch because this was 2014-15 so oh. I mean, this was a bit after that oh, sorry okay fair enough but like, I think what should we be telling this guy because I feel like saying the NHS can like being an F1 can be a bit of a meat grinder mm. but things do get better as your job as time goes on but then maybe it doesn't get better for everyone but maybe mm. then I guess what we're, uh, people allude to is that 
all that success doesn't necessarily mean happiness. But is it necessarily a bad thing if you don't continue to have a million papers here? If you're just like an average doctor, is that such a bad thing? Like you still mm-hmm. impact on people's lives and stuff. Does it really, like what makes you tick? What brings you happiness? Does it have to be all that stuff? Or not just be turning up and then doing okay and then going home? I think it's a combination of things. I think I, I completely agree with what Joseph said as well in terms of these are massive accolades and well done to anyone who gets along mm. those lines. But then to suddenly go into F1 and be basically the bottom, it feels like, it feels like you're the bottom rung, doesn't it? It feels like yeah. you're just handing in forms. All, yeah. all that kind of fanfare that you may have had in your own mind at least is suddenly non-existent when you're running around on the wards and stuff. But the only thing I would say to anyone out there, when you put all this stuff like budding surgeon or that kind of stuff in your bio, to be ready to change that and be okay with changing it if it ever if you yes. ever need to change it because there's a book I read by the guy who started Disney um, the Disney that we know now to own um, Star Wars and all the other stuff and he talks about especially in the last few chapters about how a lot of us pay for our childhood dreams so there may be someone out there that says they're going to be a cardiac surgeon when they're six and they're going to continue trying to get to become a cardiac surgeon all the way to whatever age and they might not be happy but they still owe it, they feel like they owe it to their childhood self and I think that when you put something like that on paper on your Twitter bio or tell people that you're going to be a next cardiac surgeon or something and then it doesn't quite happen or it's not quite happening the way you want it to and you keep trying and making yourself unhappy because you feel indebted to that i'm saying you should don't feel indebted to it be quick and be nimble and be ready to change your mind depending on where uh, the wind takes you because some medicine is so vast and so massive you can literally do anything especially when you're an f1 you could go to anything and do anything and even beyond you could change your you can change your career very quickly if you wanted to uh, and so it's, it's all about just thinking again and again, am I happy? Is this what I want to do? If it's not, then I need to change things. Am I happy? Is this what I, do I need to change things? That's what I would think and feel and would like to say uh, to anyone who's feeling along these lines, especially when they start. It's a lot harder to make that decision, isn't it? To, to make the change and to go against what you've been telling yourself you should be doing your whole life. And like you, Bethan is a prime example of someone who got relatively far into a very highly competitive training program. Mm. And then did what was right for her, made a very brave decision to not keep going with the status quo mm. because it was the status quo. And part of that is not falling for the 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 sunk cost fallacy. Mm. You know, part I think part of what keeps people going is sunk cost yeah, fallacy. Yeah, it's saying, oh, I've done my exams yeah. and I've done this and I've done that That's and I've done so much, it would be a shame to give it up now. Mm. But actually, no, cut your losses now. Mm. Go enjoy your life. Yeah, 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 you know? exactly. Go become a radiologist, work at home. <laughs> <laughs> I don't work at home that much, do I? No, definitely not. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I think with my parents anyway, they were, once I got the DR in front of them, they were like, yeah, you just do what you want. But then actually when I did tell them I was going to go into radiology, my dad did think I was leaving medicine. And he's like, you're leaving medicine after all this? And I'm like, no, no, it's, it's, it is and it isn't. It's slightly different from what you think. And yeah, anyway, I think he's happy-ish now. Uh, he doesn't ask me too much about what I get up to. Uh, anyway, yeah, I mean, talking about our jobs, they're different from one each other. And uh, we noticed that there was a big difference between American doctors and UK doctors. Do you remember this tweet that came out? Oof. Yeah. You saw this, didn't you, Joseph? Yeah. I did. They are, they are a genuinely a different breed. Like, genuinely, I was saying to Imran last night that when I first saw this tweet, I'll read it out. Yeah. I wonder how many doctors, this is from Brian Chong, MD, I wonder how many doctors know how to operate a mag release, then rack the slide to clear the round in the chamber. Maybe 10%. Now, I swear to God, <laughs> when I read this, when I read this first time, I thought this guy was talking, before I saw the, the question in the quote tweet, 
I thought this guy was talking about a magnesium infusion. <laughs> and I was, like, I was like, you know what, he's right. Like, you know, props to nurses. I don't know how to do any of this stuff. <laughs> this is about magnesium. And, and, then I, and then I see the question and it's all about guns. And I'm just like, oh, oh God, America, what is wrong with you? Yeah. Like, how is this a thing that you need to be like, even aware of? It's such a sad, sorry state of affairs that like, that... The guns are so prominent and they're so prominent in hospital that you need to know. And also, that one of the question stems use a gun to attack a rival gang member. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing, isn't it? What is medical training like out there? Oh my gosh, right? Um, it's just, it's a different world. Yeah. It's a, di- a completely different world. And so it shows what a consummate professional you are that you saw that and you saw magnesium sulfate. And I was like reading it. 100%. And I, saw, and I was like, I saw Rack the Slide and I thought he was talking about Tempin Bowling or something. I was like, what is he on about? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. But Jesus, oh, man, what is? Yeah, America's America. I went to a conference in America. I went to Chicago, and I remember going to there that kind of version of soft soft play. And I remember these signs outside, "No guns allowed in." And I thought, "What's that about?" Oh yeah, I'm in America. Why did you go to soft play on the conference? Uh, like, what? Did, might, did you take your kids I, to a conference? I might have taken my kids, and I might have um, oh, I might okay. have missed some of the conference to do that. Maybe. Oh, okay, wow. massive, yeah, beautiful. Possibly, possibly uh, might have happened. But um, allegedly, yeah, allegedly may have happened. I may have uh, not gone to much of the conference. But uh, yeah, America is a bit of a yeah. It's that, those are things I found really difficult to kind of, you know, because on all levels, we've got very almost identical lifestyles, don't we? The food we eat, the attitudes we have until you see these signs like no guns allowed or guns must be left here and, or, and stories about this thing. You think, man, this is a strange place to be as meta, meta yeah, Twitter can be uh, in general. Is there anything else coming up to time? Was there was any other big tweeter we wanted to go through? I thought there was that tweet by Wing Sum Lao. She's a neurosurgeon and she said, this morning an anaesthetist walks into the neurosurgery handover meeting and addresses oh, the room yeah. with, hello, gents. Hmm. I'm sure it wasn't intentional, but as the only oh, yeah. female neurosurgery reg present, I can't help but feel a little excluded. And then there's one guy who consistently has, I don't know how to put it, takes, In- just takes. opinions. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're always like slightly controversial takes. Yes, mm. and this one is, is think, and like, all right, lads, all right, lads. And I think if someone <laughs> came into a room and said, all right, I'd be like, is he talking about me? I wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm not like, yeah, that's not me. Yeah, I'm so yeah. not a lad. But then Rashana put in a tweet saying, oh, if you just put your hand up and shout, Aya! and make everyone feel awkward. But actually, when I've, ha- I've done this, when because like often for DC cardioversions, you'll you have to wait on the theatre list for a random slot, and it can be like really randomly. And often I end up being the last person coming into the room, and it's super, super awkward. Like I walk in, and like, I'm not supposed to be there. What am I doing in like a theatre recovery room? And... Mm. So, sometimes I do as I go and go Kooey! because I feel like it breaks the. What that is weird. It's weird, isn't is... it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm weird. Yeah. I know. Yeah, stop I doing do that. that. Stop doing that. I know why, that. but I don't. <laughs> what, what should I do? I don't. Yeah, I do that. But um, Just say hi. I can't because hi is so deflated. It's like because also it's embarrassing because you're like late and I don't know. I can't you know, cope with embarrassment, <laughs> so I just I double down. Wow, I mean, Maybe I, I think uh, at least you don't double down with lads. Nobody would believe me doing that. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's like a cooey, they're like, oh, he's weird. Okay. Yeah, um, that was a good one. Yeah. The lads thing, the lads thing, like it's like I would, I, I, I find it hard not to come in and like say, hi, guys. Guys, I feel like is, a, is also, I, we use it as a catch all term, even though it's a masculine mm. word. Mm. But maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we should, hey, people, hey, team. friends, hey, team. Mm. 
Yeah, I say team, yeah. But there are gender connotations to some things. And I think I was speaking to you guys. That I've, my, I've got a cousin who's a medical student at Ukraine, and I'm trying to sort out her placements to come to the UK and do some of her placements here. I've emailed a few people that I know, and I said, hey, look, I've got a cousin who's a medical student in Ukraine. Could you mind if um, we could maybe organize a placement? And they were like, yeah, get him to call me. I'm like, why is it always a he? Yeah. Like, Classic. What, what are you talking about? And it's a she. My, my cousin's a she. You don't need to be like, why is that? And it's invariable across the board. Every single person is always, can you get him to call me? Can you get him to uh, send me a message, send him an email? Unconscious bias, man. That's the way it is these days. Well, not these days. Got to say, something happened this morning with my mum. I was texting my family WhatsApp group and I was like, oh, I need to ask my consultant if I can, you know, get this day off, blah, blah, blah. And my mum, I was so proud of her. Her first response was, when do you think she's going to let you know? She went straight for woman. Mm. And I was like, mum, so proud of you. Like, <laughs> nice. like, she's not medical. She doesn't know that 60% of doctors are women or whatever, or like the majority of pediatricians are women. So like, she, there's no way she would have, And her unconscious bias is completely swung the other way. So I'm just, I've got to say, done, oh, Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, fair enough. Well done, Joseph's mum. <laughs> I'll tell you, you said yeah, that. Yeah, man. Yeah, do it. <laughs> uh, Joseph, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah. I, I think we're probably going to meet up for coffee at some point since we actually live yeah. around the corner from each other, it seems. Yeah, yeah we've yeah. got to. I know where you live. Yeah, so. we actually do. <laughs> yeah. people, people might not understand that, but for context, I was on holiday in Cyprus last August and I've seen this anti-environmentalist dog-hating... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of an awful word to call you, like, oh, you're too nice. <laughs> and I saw that he, he missed straws so much. And I, like, I don't know why in Cyprus they're not with paper straws. They are still doing plastic straws. Yes. So I was like, yeah, cool. I'll just get a bunch. Message Tarusha. And I was like, where does he live? He sent me his address. Yeah. Very concerning that you sent me his address. I, if anyone wants it, you I can could have be it. anyone. If anyone I, could, wants it. I could be like the next, I could be the next deep. And it's only around the corner. So I can't wait. I can't wait to go out for a falafel and a drink yeah, with man. plastic straws. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Let's bring some straws with this as well. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> i got to say thank you for having, for having me as the first pediatrician on the podcast. Oh, you've been awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, I really do appreciate it. And we appreciate all our guests, as we always say. Thank you, thank Med you Twitter, so um, for a great week as well. So much has happened this week. And I don't know, stay out of trouble. What should we say? Stay away from the mess room. What else should we say this week? Any other learning points? Yeah. Be careful of the beanbags. <laughs> all right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Good night.